How should a Christian handle baseless accusations? Well, we're going to find out today on The Midweek Move. Hello and welcome to The Midweek Move, the podcast where we go through the Word of God line by line, verse by verse, to discover the context and the application in a biblical way. I'm Dallas. I'm so glad to have you guys here with us, whether you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Facebook, however you found us. Hey, thank you for being part of our community. I am joined today with uh, our, our good pastor, the man with the beautiful beard. I'll mention every single time because I'm jealous of it, but my wife won't let me grow one, Pastor Scott. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, everybody. Hope you guys are doing good. Uh, man, we are in for a good one today. We don't have as many verses as normal, right. and it's um, it's kind of sort of self-explanatory, but there's a lot of good nuggets in here. So oh, yeah. just encourage you guys to kind of dig in with us uh, as we kind of process through this. And uh, however long we're on it, we're on it, man. We're just going <laughs> to dig in and see what we got going on. Yeah, absolutely. So we're about to dig into this really interesting. Uh, this is a continuation of what's just been going on for the last couple of chapters. Pastor, can you kind of summarize just uh, real quickly what happened last time? Well, it's like we've been, I, I think I said this even last time, like Paul has found himself in all these different cities, all these different scenarios. Right. Some have been amazing. He's stayed in places. He's taught. He's done these. But then you go to Jerusalem and now there's a mob and there are accusations. And, and now they're finding out not only is he a Jew, but he's a Roman citizen, which right. has created a whole other issue because all these plots that are coming against Paul, it's, it's coming against him from a certain segment. Right. And then another segment of a population is supposed to judge that. But yet he falls into both. Right. And so it's put him in a super unique position, which I think that even we can relate to that. Like mm -hmm. the Lord has gifted some of us that we can cross generational lines. We can yes. cross over even cultural lines. Right. That God has kind of put one foot on this side of the tracks and one <laughs> foot on this side of the tracks. Right. And it's like nobody really knows what to do with us. Right. But everyone will kind of listen to us. Right. And I think that's kind of where Paul has has put himself. He's in this place where it's it's not great. He's being persecuted, right. and but he's not being necessarily um, sentenced right. in the midst of all this. And where he should be maybe in a dungeon at sometimes, he's just kind of in a holding cell. Right. And and so it seems like there's grace upon his life. So I think that uh, one of the things that I'm really learning through this is the fact that Paul doesn't put himself in these positions, but he has positioned himself outside of that mm -hmm. to be able to function in different places with different people. Right. And once God does put him in that, his voice really does matter. Even the people that don't want to listen to him, they're <laughs> listening to him. Exactly. And so I think I, that's one of the things I've been learning throughout this process if we've gotten into Acts and the life of Paul mm -hmm. is just that not necessarily like what to do with your voice, but like, how do you use your voice? Right. Like, how do you do it? Because sometimes he says something. Right. And sometimes he doesn't say anything. And then sometimes he simply repeats what he's already <laughs> said, which right. we talked about the importance of your testimony. Exactly. Like, never forget that. Man, right. never forget that. Always, always be ready to just be like, look, here's what happened to me. And here's what God did. And he's done that in every scenario. Yeah. And so I just think that that's one thing I've been learning through this. 
this is is Paul's voice and how he uses it on all these different scenarios, and even how the people that don't like him don't even know what to do with him. Exactly. What I, what's really fascinating is that you really see God's kind of divine hand of placing it. We we accredit Paul as being kind of the um, one of the guys who really spearheaded the the modern movement of Christianity, like how it grew out of that. And God chose him because of where he could be and where uh, the way he could operate in both worlds. Yep. Uh, across the board. And I love that because it, it tells me that God does the same thing with us. He will put us in places where only we could operate, where only we could speak to people like you were saying. And uh, it's by his grace. And it's not that he's just, you know, randomly throwing people out there for stuff. He has a plan and purpose for their lives, even amid some really rough situations. Well, that's just like, you know, some of the stuff that you and Celeste do with Geek Devotions. It's mm-hmm. like you're reaching this whole segment because, yes, okay, because you guys have geeked them yourself, right? <laughs> right? If that's a term or a terminology. But because you're interested in those things, it allows you to build a bridge to that culture. But at the same time, you also know that many people that you guys are reaching are some of the disenfranchised, some mm-hmm. of those who may have been outside the scope of popularity or outside the scope of whatever. Yeah. Or maybe it was being misunderstood. Right. Both you and Celeste understand that as well. So it positions you uniquely, not because you like comic books mm-hmm. necessarily. Yes, that's a part of it. Right. But because you understand the cultural aspect of feeling like that outsider or feeling like you don't belong right. to a certain group that maybe you want to belong to. And and I think that God has gifted all of us. Right. Like we don't have to have been, you know, born Jewish and had Roman citizenship to reach all those different things. God has gifted us uniquely. Right. Um, for me personally, when I was in high school, uh, if you'd asked some people, they would have said, He's a jock. If you'd asked some people, they would have said he was a stoner. Right. If you'd asked some people, they would have said, you know, he there wasn't anything. This will this dates me right here. There wasn't <laughs> anything. It wasn't grunge wasn't a thing. It wasn't even a word. Right. Grunge was uh, like uh, a form of artwork that you would use with like metal and stuff like that. Grunge right. wasn't even a, like a style. Right. It wasn't back a then. subsect. <laughs> yeah. So like when I was in school, it would have been the punk movement. Right. right. So the, the punk movement. And people wouldn't have said that I was a part of the punk movement, but they would have said he's our friend. Right. And so it seemed like I had some friends that in my day were called preppies. Right. right? And uh, jocks and you know, stoners. I was friends with that whole spectrum. And I think that my background had uniquely positioned me to be able to reach all of that demographic of people because I was an athlete, because I did have a rough childhood, because I was an outsider in many things. But if you would have asked the outsiders, they'd have been like, no, 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 he's on the end, man. He's an insider. But if you'd asked the insiders, they'd have been like, no, he's not really in. He's kind of outside. Exactly. And so I think that God uniquely gifts all of us, Mm -hmm. and maybe it's not always a gift. Maybe it's just a terrible situation that we had to live through, but he uniquely positions us to reach more than just one person. Right. And that's what's happening in the life of Paul. Absolutely. And specifically in this, because Paul has an understanding of how Jewish culture works and then Greek culture works, he's able to, I'm not going to say he manipulates the situation, but he's able to navigate it appropriately. (laughs) Okay, this is where I'm at. Let me present the way things are going as a Jew and as a Greek. Yeah, it's almost like he's gauging the uh, the temperature mm-hmm. of of all these different settings he's in. He's like, okay, all right, is this really violent? Is this sort of violent? Right. Are they mad? Are they open? Like, mm-hmm. And then that dictates the way that he 
the way that he communicates. You exactly. know, we've been talking about uh, this verse, Isaiah 50, for a couple of weeks now mm-hmm. about the suffering servant. And it says that that he would know, he would have the tongue of the learned mm. to know how to speak a word to those who are weary. The, right. How to speak a word in season to those who are weary. Right. Not what to say. Right but how to say it. And right. I think that is so key. And we have seen that in the life of Paul. Mm-hmm. And and that's why it's so important for us. It's not necessarily what you are saying, but how you are saying it. That's so true. And taking the temperature of the room, we can bring that all the way down to on campus at the healing place. Mm-hmm. I may communicate the same thing two weeks in a row and communicate it completely different because the room is different. Right. If you've got half the room that's dealt with loss that week, it's going to feel a little different than it did the week before. Exactly. If you've got half the room who are just on fire more than they ever have been for Jesus ever, right. the room's going to be different. Yeah. And I think that Paul is teaching us taking the temperature of the room right. is super important. Absolutely. I was just talking with one of our one of our listeners the other day, and he was asking about a, uh, a, a defense for the gospel, a, a particular theological question. I said, and uh, he saw a video where someone was doing that. I was like, you know, this is a great way of going through it. However, depending how you say this to a right. person, it can come off different ways. I was like, you have to be mature enough to go, is this person asking me questions in a combatant way or are they genuinely searching? And if they know, if, the, if you can figure that out, then you can respond or choose not to respond. Yeah. And then how even you present this information, it, it can help. It's almost like going to somebody and going, this is what I'm saying rather than what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. So now you've left this open-ended for a conversation, which is what you're going after anyway. Right. You're not after a monologue when you're trying to reach somebody with the gospel. Right. You're going after a dialogue. Questions are your friend. Right. Jesus taught us that. Mm-hmm. Paul teaches us that. It's not always a statement that's coming out of his mouth. Sometimes it's a question. Did you not know that I was a Roman? Whoa, wait a second. Everybody stop. Yeah. <laughs> like everything stopped in that moment, right? And then he's going to his leader and he's going, wait a second. We didn't know that this guy's a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. That all came out of a question. Right. And so I, I, I think that how is super important. And although Paul may be saying the same information, right. like he keeps telling his story, but the way in which he tells it mm-hmm. is different yeah, totally. according to where he's at. Right. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into what he has to say today. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 24, it says this, Now after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullus. 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 These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. So it's been five days since we last seen Paul. He's been not necessarily in a great situation, but now they're 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 scrambling to figure out what to do with him. I love the fact that they call on a certain orator. <laughs> now this this talks about motives right here. The high priest is not just coming with the elders, but mm-hmm. they have called in a certain order. Right. Somebody who knows how to talk. Right. Again, how? Right. <laughs> so even even the ones who are bringing the things against Paul, mm-hmm. they even know how matters. Exactly. Like they have literally got a hired gun, <laughs> right? The Ted talker. Right. Like this guy knows how to, how to move a room. Exactly. So, and, and, and he, and we're about to see just how well he can talk. Yes. Um, uh, verse two. And when he had, uh, was called upon to tell us, uh, begin his accusation saying, seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight. We accept it 
always in uh, and in the places most noble Felix with all thankfulness. I want to pause right here because here we have Felix and uh, and no, he's not a cat, but he is an individual <laughs> who is not the greatest individual. That's right. <laughs> I had to make that joke for some reason. I'm not sure why. <laughs> but Felix, his his uh, his authority, his time frame and authority was not marked with peace as what is being said here, but rather was marked with a lot of terrible things taking place. That's right. This guy is just um, what's we're looking for puffing him up. He's just, yeah. He's buttering Felix was up. an agent of chaos. He yes. really was. He mm-hmm. was an agent of chaos. Um, it he, was almost like he created, he created his own chaos right. so that he could bring a solution to the chaos. Exactly. Which we see from a lot of leaders that will create scenarios that are difficult for people so they can come in and be the hero. Felix plays a lot of that. There's a lot of that in his history. Hmm. I would kind of label him an agent of chaos. Agent of chaos. Interesting. Not get smart. <laughs> come on, <laughs> man. Come on. That was a great one. Come on. High five yeah. right now. Get the cone of silence Boom. later. Come on. <laughs> Did you watch? That uh, was awesome, y'all. Come on. <laughs> like that. Come on, man. I don't get these very often. That was so good. That was solid. <laughs> I, I saw Agent of Chaos and I was like, Chaos with a K, get smart. Yes. All right. Did, did you Yet watch, I digress. That's all right. So did you watch um, the Boba Fett series that was on Disney Plus recently? No. There's a character on it uh, who was a Twi'lek, and uh, his whole thing was he spoke for the mayor and everything, but he come in, he was like, oh, most gracious individual, yep. buttering them up to put them down on yep. the back end. This is what this guy is doing. That's right. So verse four, <laughs> nevertheless, so now that he's buttered up Felix, he's bringing in the seriousness, nevertheless, do not be uh, tedious to, uh, I'm sorry, not to be tedious to you any further. I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. Mm-hmm. Verse five, for we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of Nazarene. He's choosing his words very carefully. Mm-hmm. All the Jews. What a broad stroke. Like right. he is, and now you see why the orator was brought in. Right. His choosing his words very, very clearly. The, even that the, the, uh, and I'm not sure what the, the, the Greek origin of the word ringleader here is, mm-hmm. but even that word itself and of the sect of the Nazarenes, that's right. a very specific, right. he's gone from all the <laughs> Jews now to this laser focus and it all has a purpose. Oh yeah. Now what, what are these, these three different accusations he's brought against Paul? Like what does he mean by calling them a plague? Yeah. So again, those days a plague was something that not only touched one person, mm-hmm. but it was something that went from person to person to person to person. It right. was communi- communicable. Right. And so he's basically saying that, Another word for this would have been a scourge. Mm. He's a plague. Wherever he goes, he spreads this, and mm-hmm. and he said it, uh, dissension, mm-hmm. which that word in itself, when you spoke that to a religious crowd, that right. was heresy. Right. Dissension or discord was heresy among the religious. Yeah. Although they function in it all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so we have him saying that he's a plague, that a plague that spreads uh, dissension, but he's narrowing it down then to the fact that he's a sect of the Nazarene, which yep. is interesting because we don't see this very, we don't see this said in the scriptures after this moment, but he's saying that basically as he's a ringleader of a group of individuals who follow Christ, basically, and yep. that this Christian faith, as we call it now, Christian, is a plague on 
the Roman Empire as a whole. Yep. So he's brought it. He's brought it to. He's brought it to. He's a plague to society. Secularism. Mm-hmm. He is created dissension among all the Jews. He brings it to religion, mm-hmm. and then he says a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, specifically going after Christ. Right. And so he's breaking it all down to all levels of society in that day. Right. Like he's using this super <laughs> broad stroke to to let Felix know. This is a danger to your leadership. Right. This isn't just one sect of populace. Exactly. This is everybody. Right. Which it wasn't. Right. (laughs) Verse six. And when he tried to profane the temple, so now Mm. we're giving a specific accusation. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysus came by with a great violence and took him out of our hands. All right, so what does he mean by he, you profane the temple? What does it mean for somebody to profane the temple? Like, why is this a big ordeal? Yeah, this was a, this was a huge deal because you would only use this wording if you were trying to bring death upon somebody. Mm-hmm. Again, the things that he said up here at the top would not be necessarily uh, a death sentence mm-hmm. for any of those accusations. But once you begin to talk about profaning the temple as far as Jewish law, now mm-hmm. you're talking about heretical. Right. So it's almost like he's he's leveling up the accusations to let Felix know that we're fix I'm fixing to bring some charges against him that right. you cannot deny. Right. Because of the law. And so and even when he says that Lysias came with great violence, that violence didn't happen until they came back against them. Right. They were trying to pull Paul out, and the crowds became violent. So Lysias wasn't necessarily the originator of the violence. Right. It was those who wanted Paul to be arrested and charged who incited the violence. Right. So although he's bringing all these... It's a lot of hyperbole. Yes. And it's a lot of falsehood, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Yeah. Now, I want to point this out. Verse 7 is one of those verses that we call a variant text where portions of this wasn't found in some of the earlier yep. texts. Um, in fact, um, in the earliest manuscripts found in 4th and 5th century, and even most of 6th century, we don't have most of verse 7 here. We see semblance of it starting in the verse in the 6th century and moving forward. And I point that out because variant text is one of those conversations that we need to have every so often because it messes people up. When you talk to people who um, I've known several people who've gone to college, grown up in the church, and then they're presented by, with variant texts by atheists, by those who are against the gospel. And they try to say, well, look what's wrong with your Bible. Well, that's nothing wrong with my Bible. It's just that there's a conversation about what's actually happening here. That's right. So verse eight, commanding his accusers to come to you by examining him, you yourself, uh, you may ascertain all these things in which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. Basically, they came into agreement. Right. So, Paul, he's now before Felix. This is a bad situation. Now, it's Felix's turn to say something, necessarily. But he does, And that's the thing that catches me. Normally, when you have this uh, situation, basically, um, he said, hey, cross-examine, ask him yourself. Yep. But Felix isn't asking any questions. He just does something entirely different. Verse 10, then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, I don't think that they were expecting this. Yeah, Felix is like, you speak for yourself. Right. Was this out of respect for the fact that Paul was a Jew, or was it just that Felix was just that kind of individual? Well, I, I think Felix— I mean, so not a Jew, but a Roman. Yeah, I think Felix is taking this uh, this pilot point of view here, uh-huh. where it's like, let me see how this plays out. Right. Right. 
before I lay any kind of edict down on this. Sure. Um, wash my hands of it. You speak for yourself and right. let me see how this plays out. Right. Because he knows in the midst of this context that they have no they have no power to come against his uh, um, his leadership or his quote unquote army wouldn't be an army army, but but forces mm -hmm. that there it wasn't going to get out of control, that he could control the situation. Right. So it's not one of those things where if he doesn't say anything, everybody goes crazy and all that. But I think basically he's kind of taking that, let me see how this plays out without me saying anything. That way nothing can come back on me. Right. That's the way I perceive it. <coughs> And seeing Felix and knowing a little bit about his leadership, right. that would make sense. Well, I mean, this was a common thing for these guys who are leaders. They all serve at the at the at the pleasure of Caesar. Yep. And so, if they do something that does get them in trouble, cause uproar, cause uprest, they can't easily go. Oh, well, that was actually so and so. Especially publicly. Right. Publicly. Publicly. So they they're big about. Let's just, I'll just do enough. And if it's bad, I'll pass the buck. If it's good, oh, it was all me. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's not leadership, That's by the way. That's not leadership at all. Verse 11. Uh, I'm going to continue on. Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of the nation, I do more cheerfully answer for myself. Because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. So he's saying, look, this just happened this past week. All right. Verse 12. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone nor inciting the crowd, either in the synagogues or in the city. So we're pausing right here just because Paul has just said, first thing, I wasn't causing a dissension in the temple. Yep. I was not in the temple causing any issues whatsoever. Or in the city. Yeah. Absolutely. In no form or fashion mm -hmm. was I doing any of that that he just said. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 13, nor can they prove the things of which they accuse me now. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, which is an early term for Christianity, yep. which they call a sect. Now, it's interesting. He says that. Why is he pointing out the fact that they're calling it a sect? Like, what? why, why is he giving, he's pointing that out to them? I personally believe that, you know, sect was a word that they used to divide up. Paul's saying, listen, this isn't a sect. This is a lifestyle. That's mm -hmm. why they called it the way, right. the path. It is a lifestyle. Right. You take up your cross and you follow Jesus. And so he's making a clear delineation here. This isn't some sect. This is a lifestyle. Right. This isn't a separation of me from... from to say it was a sect would be to deny... In my in my estimation, would to be to deny the lordship of Jesus, mm -hmm. because then Jesus becomes just like any other leader of a sect. Exactly, he becomes just a religious leader. And Paul is clear: this is not a sect. This is a way of life. <laughs> right, and he's 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 not he's not separating Christianity from Judaism either. At the same time, some right. people they have this mindset that well, since Christ, there's no longer anything Jewish at all. But he's saying no. This is just the continuation of the whole conversation here. Uh, continue on. So I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which were written in the law and in the prophets. Again, affirming that he still practices uh, his Jewishness, if you will. Yep. Verse 15. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. 
just. Boom. Now he delineates himself from the Sadducees. How is he delineating himself from the Sadducees? In the moment he says that there will be a resurrection of the dead because the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Right. So again, he's removing himself and people of the way from the sect mm-hmm. mindset. He's he's removing that from the equation. Now, why is he specifying though that both of the just and the unjust though? Well, again, that's a doctrinal thing as well. So mm-hmm. again, you have all these sects mm-hmm. and you have all these belief systems that are going on. And the only way for him to to remove himself from that, really to me, he's almost given an account to Felix of the gospel. Right. Like Jesus is Lord, this is a lifestyle, this isn't religion. Right. Like and and whether Felix knew it or not, mm-hmm. I mean, he really is. If you, I mean, when we talk about theology, we have our own mindset of that, especially American Christianity. We have our own mindset of that. Mm-hmm. But he's laying down some serious theology right here, right? Like foundations of the faith, right? Of relationship versus religion, mm-hmm. of belief systems. What is doctrinally sound? What is not? And and again, he is delineating himself from any of the religious sects of that day. Exactly. And even that's like, because again, just the fact that he is believing in resurrection separates him from the Sadducees. The fact that he believes in the resurrection of the just and unjust just. separates him from the Pharisees. Yep. Because for them, it's only those who are found in in, uh, in Abraham. Yep. The just. He's saying, no, everyone's going to be resurrected. Now, what happens at that resurrection, that's where things get interesting. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Verse 16, this being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and men. Now, after many years, I came bringing alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with tumult. Now, what does that tumult mean? So you're talking about unrest. You're talking again that that whole um, uh, concept of chaos. Uh-huh. And so when he talks about again, he's he's answering the accusations right. that were given by Tertullus, mm-hmm. which was listen, this guy was uh, profaning the temple. He was doing this. He was doing this. And now he's saying, listen, in all of that, here's how they found me in the temple. Right. I wasn't defaming anything. I was pure Right. in my worship in everything I was doing. I was pure in my offerings because it says that he brought alms and offerings Right. in his alms and offerings in his manner of worship. Everything was pure. Nothing was defamed, neither with a mob. I didn't have anybody with me nor any kind of garrison to create a chaotic situation. Right. Um, a riot or anything else. Right. So here we have Paul. And again, he's been accused of some very serious things. And in his defense, he's just laying out facts. Yep. He's not attacking these individuals. He's not going out of his way to go. Well, da, 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 da. he's just going, this is the truth. And he all, and he also talks about his own intentions, mm-hmm. which he says, I always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. Right. Like I have no issue with any of you. Right. Like, I, that's not my motivation in this. Mm-hmm. But then he goes back to, but here are the facts. Right. But I love the fact that that I think sometimes we think to have a pure heart, we don't state the truth of what's mm. going on. And thereby, we, we never give an account for it. Right. We're just like, oh, we're lambs led to the slaughter. Right. So we shouldn't say anything. Well, there's a time not to say anything, and then there's a time to say something. Sure. And Christ was clear with that. Mm-hmm. And Paul is abiding by that. Again, there were sometimes he didn't go into all this mm-hmm. and didn't give a defense right. of any accusation that was given against him. He just preached the gospel. Yeah. But here, 
he's he's speaking the truth and he's laying out the facts, but he's also um, he he's also letting his intentions of his heart. He's almost saying, "Judge my heart." Yeah. Like here are the facts, mm-hmm. but you judge my heart, right? And that's going to be on you. Exactly. It's not going to be on me. I know my <laughs> heart, but that's going to be on you. Right. So good. All right. Verse nineteen. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. So now we are bringing this like, hey, look, if this is the case, where are they at? Yep. Where are my accusers? Verse 20, or else let those who are here um, themselves say that they found me, found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless it is for the one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. <laughs> so what did he just say here? Well, I mean, there's a lot there. Um, <laughs> but really, he is... If they have found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless it is for this one statement, and he's talking about when he cried out. Mm-hmm. Again, he, and he even went back in that earlier account of when he got loud, especially mm-hmm. to Ananias, and then he and then he apologized mm-hmm. for that. But to me, in this, he's not just talking about a doctrinally concerning the resurrection of the dead. I'm being judged by you this day, but also his intention of how he presented that. Right. Because he literally says, "Which I cried out, standing among them." We already know there's evidence where he has apologized for that same language, crying out, mm-hmm. responding. And so what are your thoughts on that concerning the resurrection of the dead? I'm being judged by you this day. I think he's basically saying this like, look, this is on you, sir. This is this is all you're you're standing for me. You see how everything is. They have no argument. What do you say? I've presented you the facts. I've presented you even the gospel. How are you going to handle the situation? Yep. He's putting this back in the in the because again, we've talked about before, the these leaders don't like to take on the the responsibility of making these judgments. They like to pass the buck if it's going to be bad. And he's saying, there's nothing here. How are you? How do you want to handle this? Because Felix is now in a situation where he knows if I say, yeah, you're good, I'm going to have a riot with the Jews. Yep. Because there seem, there's, it's obvious they're against him. But if I say no, well, this is a guy who seems to be a leader within this new group called The Way. And a Roman citizen. And a Roman citizen. Which I will have to account for. Right. <laughs> because my evidence against him is going to be much more than if he was just a Jew. Mm-hmm. A Jew, we can throw him in jail all day long. We can do whatever we want to do. Right. But a Roman citizen is a different deal. Mm-hmm. And I will have to give an account to Caesar for that. Right. So. Which nobody wanted to do that. <laughs> right. So let's get into this now, because now we're going to see his response. And it's come really what we're going to see is that this is going with the mindset of I'm dealing with a Roman, not a Jew. Yep. Verse 22. And when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way he adjourned in the proceedings and said, when Lysus, the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurions to keep Paul and let him in the, uh, have liberty and told him not told him not to forbid any of his friends uh, and provide to uh, sorry, to provide uh, for or visit him. What just happened here? Where? Why is he giving him this? Like, why is he just throwing him in the dungeon? 
Well, I think you said it. Yeah. It's the Roman side of him. Mm -hmm. It's I I have to I'm going to have to make some kind of decision here. Right. But in the meantime, one thing I can't do is I can't lay my hands on this guy too quick as a Roman citizen mm -hmm. because again, I don't know what this is going to look like if it gets to Caesar. Mm -hmm. And you know, Felix, although he was although he was a, a pretty brutal chaotic leader, he wasn't stupid. Right. He did understand, which we will see in chapter 25. Right. He did understand that Paul did have kind of an ace in the hole, mm -hmm. which was to appeal to Caesar. And Felix knows if that happens and Felix hasn't done every single thing he can, mm -hmm. not only to figure out what's going on, but also to pr protect Paul as a Roman, right. he's done for. Yeah, As a leader, it's over for him. Mm -hmm. So I think that has a lot to do with how he is treating Paul here, that even though... Um, you know, he says that uh, and told him not to forbid. He's commanding the centurion. Right. Keep Paul, let him have liberty. Mm -hmm. uh, tell him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. So now he can have visitors. They can bring him stuff. They right. can hang out. They can talk. All of those things would have not been afforded to him as a Jew. Right. It just would not have. We have the evidence of that. Sure. All right. Verse 24. And after some days when Felix came with his wife, uh, Dursila, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith of Christ. So he's like, all right, I have my Jewish wife who's also part of the, who's Jewish. You tell me about this Christ who you guys are claiming. Now, as he reasoned with, now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control in the judgment to come, Felix was afraid to, afraid and answered, go away for now. And when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. So now he's heard about the Christ. He's heard about this whole situation. And now there's, he's afraid. What is he afraid of? Well, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, mm -hmm. man, when you're confronted with um, when you're confronted with a word that I think it goes to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Like there is a and we have evidence in Acts that when the presence of the Lord came upon a place there was fear, right. the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I think that what Felix is dealing with is not just being afraid, but I think he's dealing with the fear of the Lord, mm -hmm. that he's coming in contact with truth mm -hmm. that he doesn't necessarily want to accept, but he knows it's truth. Right. And so there's a fear that comes with that. Right. Um, and I do think it's interesting. It says, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. And I immediately think of Jesus in the wilderness where it says the devil left him and came back in a more convenient time right. when it was more expedient. <laughs> like he let him alone for a while to right. then come back to him, which the very next verse makes total sense. Absolutely. Verse 26. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. Looking for a bribe. That's right. <laughs> that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, <laughs> Porcius Festus, succeeded Felix and Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor and left Paul bound two years, two years. Looking, why is he looking for a bribe? What does that do for him to get a bribe from Paul? Well, it, it gets him out of making a decision. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to make a decision, right? You know, he gets a bribe from Paul. Then I'm sure that it ends up being the same cases with Jesus. You make up a story. Mm -hmm. Everybody's in line with the story. All the centurions, all the soldiers know the story. You keep to the story. Paul escaped. Paul did this. Paul did that. Now he's got an account that he can give to the Jews. 
He can also come to now his authorities Mm -hmm. and he can say, hey, look, um, here's what happened. We've got some money for the treasury. Right. The Jews, they don't know anything different. Let it be. Right. He's laying, trying to lay out a lie. And I think because he, because Paul was above board because he said, look, I'm just going to lay out the facts, present the gospel, do exactly what my Lord tells me to do. He doesn't get out of the situation, but there's no question. There's no moral in his character either. Right. So what's your, your big takeaway for this passage? Again, I think, I think it's, Paul and how he deals with every scenario. Mm-hmm. I think he picked up through discernment of the Holy Spirit, Felix and his character and the type of leader he was. And I think that's why he gave the account that he gave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in a different scenario with a different leader, which we've seen it before the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, before whoever it was, Paul always, although he's given the same information, he's always doing it in a different way. Right. And it's more of the how he's saying it. Mm-hmm. And I think with Felix, he understood that Felix was a leader who could be bribed, mm-hmm. who didn't have high moral character, mm-hmm. um, who if there was any kind of question that Felix would be able to render a judgment without question. Yeah. And so Paul lays out the facts, A, B, C, D. You can't get out of this when you're going to have to make a decision. Right. And we see that he never did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he never makes a decision. Mm-hmm. It's... it's uh, uh, Acts 24 can probably be a really awesome breakdown of leadership. Mm. Um, terrible leadership. Terrible leadership. Yeah. And even you had a function in the mid, amid terrible leadership. Yeah. Keep yourself above board. Felix is more of like a hireling in this case, not, not necessarily a leader. Yeah. Because in the midst of all that, he could have just said, look, here's what we're going to do. These are the facts. None of you have come forth with anything else. Mm-hmm. The other people are still back where they were. They weren't even willing to come and bring any kind of account. We're not dealing with this. You have no case. Right. This need, doesn't need to go <laughs> any further. Boom. Right. Here's the deal. This is not going to happen. Paul, you go. Then when, then when his... Uh, leaders come to him, it's like, hey, they had nothing to say. Uh, if I would have done something to him as a Roman citizen, we'd be taking it from our people. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd be getting abused by our people, and that's a voting block. And those are people that actually have some power. Right. With the Jews, it doesn't matter if they're mad. They can't do anything at all. Right. And so I, I think that in a certain sense, um, you know, Felix... Um, he he was put in a he was put in a place where he could have succeeded as a leader, mm-hmm. but he refused to do it because yeah. he was not because he was just weak, but because he was immoral. Mm-hmm. He had no moral standing to recognize the situation that this could have been a benefit for him. Absolutely, man! So much here, guys. We want to hear from you guys. What are your thoughts on this chapter? Do you have any questions about what we just talked about? Reach out to us, mediahub at thbstreetport.com, or you can comment on our Facebook page. Just look for a midweek move. Uh, pop up really easily on there. Um, I want to encourage you, share this out, though. Share this podcast with other individuals. Don't blind share it. Ask the Lord, hey, who needs to hear this? Who needs to be encouraged by this Bible study? And share it with them. And I would challenge you this. Follow up with them. Go through this with them together. Have a conversation. These podcast conversations, they're not just thrown out there. We're, we're doing this to to live real life in front of you guys. Yep. We're literally sitting down together. We didn't talk about this before, and we don't have a we don't have a script that we run off of. We're just two individuals, friends who are sitting down to go, hey, what does the word say? Yep. What is the Lord saying about the word, and how does this apply to my life today? So let us know what your guys' thoughts are and, um, and grow through it. And let us know how you guys have grown through it. Until next time, guys, have a great week.